Welcome to the Kinetic Seas Business AI Podcast. This is the podcast about bringing artificial intelligence into your business. My name is Ed Honor and I am your host. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the differences between the hardware used in artificial intelligence and the hardware you're used to using in your business. So let's start by looking at the CPU. CPU stands for Central Processing Unit. Think of the CPU as a highway. And when I started with computers a uh, long, long, long ago, it was a one-lane highway. And if you had a really expensive mainframe, there might be more than one one-lane highway, but it was a one-lane hi highway. And all the cars and all the things that had to happen had to, trans had to go down this one-lane highway. And then your operating system did this thing called time slicing, where it would give one program a little bit of CPU time, then it would swap it out, and it would give another program a little bit of CPU time, and it would do that. And that's how you could run uh, multiple processes with a single CPU, because the operating system managed that one-lane highway, and it managed what cars were allowed to be on the highway. Well, as desktop computers got more and more complicated, they needed more and more lanes on the highway. So that is where cores comes in. So initially, we had a single lane highway. Then all of a sudden, we got these multiple core, multiple threaded computers. So now instead of having only one lane in your CPU, um, maybe you have eight lanes or 16 lanes. I think eight uh, eight is the thing you see most with Windows. You see these eight core computers. So that's like your highway has eight cores or eight lanes on it that you're driving down. Now, these lanes that are part of the CPU or the central processing unit, they can do a lot of different things. They're good at a lot of different things. They can move data in and out of memory. They can manage your disk drives. They can do mathematical operations. They can do a lot of things all at the same time. And so when I look at my computer, I've got a, a MacBook Pro, and it's got 16 cores on it. And then it's got a couple of... Uh, graphics cores and some other stuff that's added to it. But when I think of 16 cores, I actually think of, I think of that as a lot of lanes to the highway and the ability to do a lot. But now I think about the server, the last server we purchased. The last server we purchased had two CPUs on it. Each CPU had 64 cores and they were hyper-threaded, which means each CPU actually had double that. So it had 128 cores each. So now we're talking about having a computer that's got 256 lanes of traffic. And it's not just 256 lanes of traffic, it's 256 lanes of very well-performing, very flexible uh, lanes of traffic that can haul almost anything because they're general purpose uh, they're general purpose processors. Well, now we're going to start talking about GPUs, which is the graphic processing unit. Now, GPUs were originally designed to offload the work of managing your monitor, managing your display. It was offloading the work from your CPU, so your CPU didn't have to spend time um, rendering graphics on the screens. 
And so when we look at companies like NVIDIA that started out purely graphics card manufacturers, they created a special card that is really good at managing your screens. Now, in order to do that, because you are trying to refresh your screen, especially like if you're playing a video game, you're refreshing that screen 60 times every second if you're at 60 hertz. So these graphic processing units also had cores in them. Now, they're not super multi-purpose cores. They're cores that were good at doing the things that are necessary to render graphics on the screen. But then when the cryptocurrency phase started and people started using, started mining for cryptocurrency, they found that the cores inside of your GPU are really good at doing that one kind of math that is necessary. And what makes a GPU really popular or perform really well is its ability to run things in parallel. So we talked about our eight lane highway with our Windows based CPU or our CPU running Windows. When we talk about a GPU, when we talk about something like an NVIDIA A100, that has around 6,900 GPU cores in it. So it has, it's like going from uh, eight lanes of traffic, or even with my big new monster box that has 256 threads, going from 256 threads to almost 7,000 threads. So that makes a big difference as long as those cores that are in the GPU can do what you need them to do. And that's where NVIDIA came to the rescue with their CUDA drivers. So the cores that are inside of a NVIDIA GPU are called CUDA cores. Now they also have another kind of core called a tensor core, which I'll discuss in a second. But these CUDA cores, these almost 7,000 cores that are sitting inside of each of the GPUs, they do floating point operations really fast incredibly fast. And when you can do floating point operations incredibly fast, you can calculate matrices incredibly fast, and you can calculate tensors incredibly fast, and things like um, cosine similarity and embedding and creating vectors. That stuff does really well in parallel because what you're doing is you're taking a task you're breaking it up into its 7,000 simple pieces. You're letting each of the CUDA cores do their job. And then when it's done, the CPU reassembles it at the end. So we're now we're talking about processing power that is thousands of times more cores than you have with your general CPU. So if I am doing uh, large language model training or fine tuning, I'm probably going to use a computer that has uh, eight GPUs on it. It's probably going to have eight A100 or H100 GPUs. If I need even more, I might be clustering that hardware together to get to 16, 32, 64 GPUs. So keep in mind, we have a CPU, the NVIDIA A100. It's got 6,900 cores and it's got 80 gig of RAM. So now when we put eight of those on a box, 
we have somewhere around 56,000 cores and we have 640 gigabytes of memory. So now you are talking about something that can do this massive parallel processing and it does it really well and that's how large language models and that's how models like ChatGPT were trained. Now other models like voice to text model or um, text-to-voice models or voice-to-lips models where you've got a model that is manipulating the lips on somebody's face so that they are reading or saying what you want them to say. That Those are also highly parallel processes that work incredibly well on a GPU. Now, if we go back to uh, ChatGPT, that required over 20,000 GPUs. I think it was over 20,000 A100 GPUs running simultaneously for several months to train the model. Now, if you were trying to do that on a CPU-based system, well, you'd never get done. There's absolutely no way you can parallelize a process wide enough on a CPU for it to matter. So if let's say you want to build your own AI infrastructure in your organization. So there's two different network topologies that you, that you need to worry about. One is for the fine tuning and the distributed training. Those are your train that's your training equipment. And that has one set of a ser of service level agreements. Most of the time you can start and stop the training of your model. So in this case, your model may need to run nonstop for a week or two, but you might be able to turn off the computer to do maintenance. It's not a high availability. It's only a high availability and needs reliability when it's being used. So that's your training cluster. You've got one program running. It's running on multiple GPUs, and it's running for a really long period of time. So that's your training cluster. But now once your training cluster is complete, you need, or your training is complete, you need an inference cluster. That's the cluster where you're running your model after it's been created. So let's think about that. When we're training our model, we've got basically one user. Yes, that one user's um, job is being broken up into tens or hundreds of thousands of parallel processes that are running, but it's one user. When we design our inference cluster, we have multiple users. So think of ChatGPT and OpenAI. At any given time, there's thousands of people who are simultaneously asking questions of ChatGPT and making ChatGPT run inference. Now, running inference and running training are wildly different, not just in the way uh, the, the service level requirements. Yes, the inference needs to support multiple users at the same time. Well, the training is only supporting what amounts to a single user. Um, as your technology grows, you're going to need to be able to grow your inference and grow your training. So when we think about what we're looking at for our training cluster versus our inference cluster, we're starting with how many users, 
simultaneously. So training, it's only one. Inference could be thousands. Service level agreement, inference needs to be up all the time or at least up all the time when your users are working, whereas the training node doesn't need, need to be. Now, drivers make a big difference. So if you, NVIDIA has a different class of drivers for inference than it does for uh, training. So yes, you have your normal CUDA drivers that you use when you're training, but you have other drivers that you're gonna use when you're running inference. The other thing is different uh, NVIDIA chipsets work better for inference than they do for training. So for instance, if I'm training, if somebody says, hey, I need you to train this model for me, I'm gonna look for an H1, I'm gonna look for a cluster full of H100s because they're by far the fastest. If I can't find those, I'm gonna look for a cluster of A100s because they're right behind it. But if I'm doing inference, I'm gonna look at something like an A40, an A30, an A10. Uh, I'm looking at equipment that is much faster for inference, but maybe doesn't do training nearly as well. Maybe it has less memory, like the A10 GPU has 24 gig of RAM. So as I'm going through this and as I'm going through what I would need to do to build my own infrastructure, I definitely have to keep in mind what applications we're running. Are we running different kinds of generative AI models or are we running a large language model? How many users do I need? Those are all things that have to go they have to be taken into account when you're trying to decide what you want your infrastructure for AI to look at. Now, we've done a lot of talking about GPUs and CPUs, but the one thing we have to make sure we keep in mind is that the CPU really does matter when you have a lot of GPUs. So if I am running these very expensive H100s, I need to make sure that the server that's got these H100s connected to has enough RAM. A good, a good real rule of thought is you should have at least as much CPU RAM as you do total GPU RAM. So if I have eight H100s, each with 80 gig of RAM, I'm gonna need at least 640 gigabytes of RAM on accessible by the CPU. The other thing is core, CPU cores really do matter. Even though I may only be um, using the CPUs to launch the model, these CPUs are actually used through, while the model is being trained to move around the data. So you need to have lots of cores. Having 128 threads um, when you're training your model is definitely important because the more cores you have, the more data that can be simultaneously moved in and out of your GPU memory. Now, in addition to having fast memory, fast CPU, a lot of CPU cores, we also need to make sure we have fast disk drives. So back in the day, at one point, we used to think we could get away with uh, spinning disks, HDD drives. You definitely can't get away with that for AI in any way, shape, or form. 
So you definitely need to start with a solid state drive. But more important than that is you probably need to use NVMe drives. And now those are the drives that are pretty much connected straight to the motherboard. They make the, they make the, the moving data from the hard drive to the CPU memory much, much, much faster. It's, you know, several times faster than just an SSD drive in general. So again, it's important that you have enough storage, that your storage be fast, that you have enough CPU use that you can move data in and out of the graphics cards. And then the last thing we really need to worry about is how are the clusters connected to each other and how are the GPUs connected to each other? So if you're doing something that is only on a single GPU, you don't have anything to worry about. So if your entire model fits in 80 gigabytes and you can run the whole thing nicely on one A100, then you don't need to worry about your GPUs talking to each other. But if you have a model that is bigger than that and you need multiple GPUs, you need to figure out how the GPUs are gonna talk to each other. Now, until recently, the one thing that you wanted to use was NVLink, and that is from NVIDIA. It's a high-speed interconnect between GPUs. But the PCI bus has gotten faster recently, and so now the PCI bus, the PCI3 bus, is fast enough that you don't necessarily need NVLink to let your GPUs talk to each other because they can talk through the motherboard. But what you do need is a high-speed connection between nodes. So think of a node as a server. So I could have, let's say I have two nodes and each node has a lot of CPU, a lot of memory and eight GPUs. But now they need to talk to each other because they're actually dividing the workload up across two nodes. So that's where InfiniBand comes in. Now, InfiniBand has been around for a really long time. I was first um, introduced to InfiniBand because of or Oracle Exadata machines. They're super high-speed, massive processing machines, and they tied the disk drives together and the nodes together using InfiniBand. InfiniBand is a super high-speed network that you can use to connect your nodes to each other. So any nodes that need to be connected for training need to be connected either through NVLink on the same bus or connected using InfiniBand. So the InfiniBand connections are a godsend for large language model training. Now, most of the people who are listening to this podcast are probably gonna do everything you need to do in AI on a single node. Because if you've got six, if you need more than 640 gig of GPU memory uh, and you can't do, you can't do with just that, then yes, you're going to be getting into multi-node clusters. And as soon as you get into multi-node clusters, you're gonna to need to start to worry about the InfiniBand. But at this point, what you need, what, what I would recommend is start looking at what you want to do in the AI world and then start determining how you want to approach the hardware issue. 
Do you want to work with cloud GPU hosts? Do you want to build your own infrastructure? Um, those are your two main options. Maybe you want to um, use your cloud GPU host for training your model because that requires such an incredible amount of hardware. And maybe you want to bring your inference, your actual running of the models, you want to bring that in-house. Whatever you want to do, we are definitely here to help. Um, we run Kinetic Cloud, which is a cloud GPU hosting uh, service where we rent by the hour, the day, the week, or the month. But keep in mind that building your own infrastructure on-premise, if you're a large enough company, may be the thing to do. So that's going to conclude the, today's episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. I don't know what it's going to be yet, so I cannot tell you what it's going to be. But have a good week, everybody, and I will talk to you next time.